Welcome to the Strong Men, Strong Marriages podcast. Here we are on a mission to get strong, get attractive, and get the marriage of our dreams. I'm your host, Mike Frazier. Let's do this. All right, men, welcome to today's episode of Strong Men, Strong Marriages, how to not repeat your parents' mistakes. So, you know, today we're talking about both marriage and parenting. You know, a lot of times we find ourselves doing kind of the same things our parents did, even though we don't want to, whether that's in our marriage, our marriage kind of looks a little bit like our parents, which we don't like, or the way we're parenting, we don't really like that. Um, so today we're talking about how to avoid that. So my name is Mike Frazier, MD. I'm a psychiatrist and marriage coach, and I help high achieving Christian men have more intimate marriages. So wins from this week from guys in my program, Strong Men, Strong Marriages. Guys are stepping into strength and having conversations they had been avoiding. So this is just such a common thing. We, some Christian guys, we tend to be like too nice. We don't have the conversations that need to be had. We're walking on eggshells. So guys are getting out of that. They're having these conversations and creating real intimacy because of it, getting that respect from their wives because they're willing to put themselves out there. Wives are ending the affairs that they're having with other guys and creating more intimacy than they've ever had with their husband. Like this is giant changes that are happening. It's so cool to see. Guys are going from divorce proceedings to true connection and intimacy right? within a short amount of time. It can happen, guys. One gentleman shared that he expressed love to his wife for like the first time without that mosquito intention. A lot of times we say, I love you just because we're hoping to get that I love you back, right? Instead of, I love you, you're amazing. And just wanting to give that instead of, oh, I love you, I love you with that hope to get it back. You know, that's kind of the difference between the mosquito, I love you, and the uh, romantic, let's say, I love you, strong, I love you. Uh, for me, this past week, uh, Elizabeth's been showing me more physical affection, which has been great. Uh, it's nice. We had a little talk about it, and I was just appreciating that she'd been doing that. And she's like, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I always feel that way towards you, but, you know, I'm trying to show it more in a way that you appreciate, which has been really nice. Um it had a really good connection and then a really a big, really big parenting breakthrough that is what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, so when we talk about not repeating our parents' mistakes, like one of the things that I saw growing up was, uh, you know, my mom in particular having some issues with her temper, you know, getting angry, um, to some extreme levels sometimes. And so I didn't like that. But until this trip, I just had a family reunion this, this weekend until this trip and like reading a book I've been reading, I didn't really see how that affected me. You know, I would have just said, oh, you know, whatever. She got mad sometimes. It wasn't that big a deal, but reading through this book helped me understand like there's some, some issues there and it created some, um, learning and some deep things in me, uh, as far as attachment goes that we're going to talk about today that are problematic and being able to see that. And I'm not trying to talk bad about my, my parents or my mom or anything. This is just what happened. I don't think they were trying to do anything wrong. I think they're doing the best they could. Uh, just like, you know, for me myself, I'm doing these things and, you know, just didn't really see it and uh, was doing the best I could, but was damaging my kids. So, um, yeah. I've been doing it, right? I've had these anger outbursts with the kids. I've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast if you listen for a long time, but like if they are beating me at sports, um, but it's more than that. It's more like um, 
like a celebration that they do, I feel put down. That's what I came to realize. Like feeling put down was a trigger for me where I like quickly went to this angry spot. Or the other thing for me was like when they don't listen or do what I say right away, I would get really upset. So a few nights ago, it was another event like this. You know, I came in, I wanted my, my oldest son in particular to do something. He was asking me some questions. I felt threatened, like I wasn't being listened to. I got upset, you know, and turned into a, a problem. But later that night, we were able to, to connect. And uh, my brother was there and we had a really good conversation. My wife, too. Um, basically, he was able to be vulnerable with me and tell me, hey, like, I don't really feel comfortable talking to you because I'm worried you're going to get angry. And it just impacted me really deeply. He probably told me this before, but, you know, I was just finally ready to, to hear it uh, between, again, being around my family, reading this book, him saying that. I was just like a really, I believe God did all that at the same time for me to realize this and really take a step forward as a parent. Um, so I mentioned this book, it's called Parenting from the Inside Out by Daniel Siegel. There's not a lot of books I, I would say that I really wish I would have read a long time ago, but this is one of them. Like, man, I really wish I would have read this a long time ago. Um, so he talks about different types of attachment that we can have. So there's secure attachment. Secure attachment comes when, you know, you express your needs to your parents, typically, um, and they do their best to understand them. They kind of attune is what, what he talks about. They say, oh, like you're feeling sad right now, you know, and then coming to help, right? Basically, the the takeaway that a securely attached kid comes away with is, hey, if I make my needs known, the world will help me meet them. Now, obviously, this is the goal. This is what we want to create for our children as parents, Okay. And, um, you know, look, even, even with adults, right. With, uh, between you and your wife, you know, you want her to feel this way from you that, Hey, if she makes her needs known to me, I'm going to do my best to, to meet them. And also if you do the same to her, Hey, if I make my needs known to you, that, uh, that she's going to do her best to meet them. Okay. Then there's, uh, avoidant. Okay. Avoidant happens when basically there's like a lot of neglect growing up, um, you know, you're just not being taken care of at all. And so what comes with that is this kind of take home point that my needs won't be met. No one's going to take care of me. I got to take care of myself kind of thing. So again, that can create, um, you know, someone who's pretty independent, but it's going to be hard for them to trust people to make connections with other people. Then there's ambivalent. So ambivalent is, you know, when sometimes you know, your parents kind of listened and were great. And sometimes they were not, you know, it gives the example of like alcoholic. If you're, if you had alcoholics in your family, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're really not, um, you know, for, for me growing up where sometimes things were great. Sometimes my, my mom in particular was really mad. And so, you know, you kind of come away with this thought that, okay, my needs might be met, but not consistently. Like I can't really count on it. Uh, also there can be some caretaking in here. Like you feel responsible for taking care of the emotions of other people. I definitely felt that, um, growing up. So that kind of ambivalent attachment and then there's disorganized. So, you know, this is where like parents are super abusive to their kids and, you know, they come kids here, they come away with like, Hey, the people who are supposed to care for me, hurt me. It just creates like some real issues with 
uh, development and things like that. So kind of for me, I think my growing up created more of this ambivalent attachment where, yeah, sometimes people are going to be there. Sometimes they're not. So I don't want to get super attached because, you know, who knows if they're going to be there or not for me. Right. So what this book encouraged me to do is kind of identify times where, you know, I would go to what they call the low road or what I call the lower brain um, functioning. Like you're, when you get, I don't love the word triggered, but I'm coming around to it a little bit because it just activates things that you're maybe not consciously aware of, right? Not that you can't gain access to those, but you may not consciously be aware that like these things just happen. They happen very quickly. Okay. So, um, certain things can trigger those or activate those low road behaviors like rage. And it can be a clue to unresolved childhood issues. Like, Hey, there's something here that maybe you haven't dealt with yet. He also talks about explicit versus implicit memory where like your body and your lower brain and things, they might remember something that happened that you can't necessarily say, Oh yeah, this happened. So, um, that, that trigger happens and immediately you're going to this anger, right? For me, it's anger for other people might be shame, guilt, despair, right? Whatever. It just like happens quickly. So for me, what I was able to do is identify a couple of themes and, you know, between being with family and reading the book and everything, right? What I was able to see is, you know, I was repeating these patterns with my kids, right? I was going to this low road. I was creating this situation where they didn't feel heard, where they were afraid of my anger, man, like being able to see that was really hard, but also really good, you know, that I could see, okay, like I'm doing the same thing to my kids. I don't want to do that anymore. And then, but also finding, you know, like what, um, where that was coming from for me, like what were those old wounds? So for me, the themes were not feeling listened to. So where that comes across with the kids is uh, like I ask them to do something, they don't do it right away. Then I would get really angry, like overly angry. You know, even if it was something that didn't have to happen right away. But again, I was able to trace it to this. I didn't feel really listened to, and so that activated that anger for me. And then also feeling put down, and especially in sports. So again, my kids probably aren't putting me down, but I'm taking it that way. You know, I'm getting put down. So finding those themes was really powerful. And then being able to maybe trace that back of, okay, like, were there times where I didn't really feel listened to? Were there times where I did feel put down? You know, probably right? growing up, you know, and I can think of a few. So Again, not trying to throw my parents under the bus or whatever they they did the best they could. It's just I'm just happy that I'm realizing those things were there and I can do something about it. So, what do you do? Okay, because just finding this is why like therapy and stuff sometimes gets a bad rap because you uncover this stuff. Oh yeah, you you get mad because your parents didn't listen to you, or you get mad because your parents put you down, or you get mad because your your parents got mad at you sometimes, and then they kind of leave it there. But what we do in this program is, yeah, it's important to find those things and kind of realize, okay, wow, you know, this is coming from somewhere. So what you need to do for one is just like, for me, you know, give myself grace around it and say, hey, 
yeah, some stuff happened that was not great. And, you know, like realizing I was hurt in some ways, like just letting myself even say that now feels good. So then also just reminding myself that I'm okay. So in the moment, you know, if this happens and this is what, this is what, you know, this is the plan, right? If I start feeling not listened to, okay, take a few breaths, remind myself, Hey, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. The kids like, this is probably some old stuff. People do listen to me now. Like I am important now. I'm okay. Right. So reminding myself of all that, then I start feeling more calm. So take a breath, remind myself I'm okay. And then choosing that new response. So for me, like what I'm trying to do is get into their shoes. So an example, um, you know, we have rules around screen time for the kids. Sometimes they don't follow that all the way. My old pattern would be come up, just like get super mad. How could you do this? You know, I told you not to do that. Now what I'm trying to do is like, Hey, you know, take some breaths. Okay. I'm kind of triggered by this not listening thing, but I'm okay. I don't have to repeat those same mistakes. You know, I'm valuable. And then just come up and say something like, Hey, okay. You know, you started this without doing your jobs. Um, you know, finish this thing you're doing and then go do it. Right. Instead of like, turn this off right now. And you didn't listen, which is, was my old way, you know, just having a little bit more flexibility. And it's not that I don't enforce the rule, right. It's just that there's not all that anger that's driven by not feeling listened to from my past. Okay. So the other thing I need to do, right. Is also walk away if I'm too activated. So if, you know, things start going south and I can feel, so for me, like, I know how this feels when I start entering what he would call the low road or that lower brain moment, I can feel that anger just rising up. Right. So that's the trigger. I'm practicing breathing and practicing. Then if I need to walk away, I'll walk away. Um, if I can just try to get into their shoes, you know, seek to understand then to be understood. Okay. So then I'm practicing that, you know, that's my mental rehearsal that we talk about in the program. So I'm just really imagining that getting into that perspective and it's working, right? This stuff works. <laughs> so why does it work? It works because we do the steps we talked about in the program. Step one's identify and eliminate negative, unattractive, or ineffective or negative or whatever patterns. So we're talking a little more about parenting today, but this applies to whatever, because like something between my wife and I, like if I'm talking and she's on her phone, even if she's listening, like I start getting that trigger. I'm, I'm not being heard. I start getting upset, frustrated, all of that. Right. So kind of recognizing that, giving myself grace around that. But again, that's identifying the negative pattern. So then we replace it with positive, attractive ones. So instead of freaking out and getting mad at everybody, right, I'm going to take a few breaths, remind myself I'm okay, try to understand them and also seek to be understood, you know, ask them to listen to me. They're both important. A lot of guys come into the program and some of the guys right now are at that transition, which is a good transition where they're getting pretty good at listening, but then they're like, Hey, when's it my turn to be understood? Cause both are important. You both need to understand other people and you need to seek to be understood and ask for that understanding. It's important. Stephen Covey calls it psychological air. Like we all need air. Okay. So again, we identify the negative patterns. We replace them with positive ones. And then we repeat those until you can't get them wrong. We practice them because in the moment, 
you know, if I wasn't practicing these things, right, it would be harder for me to um, do it in the moment. Like if the kids didn't do their jobs, right, when I asked them to. So this happened this morning. Um, you know, I could freak out and say, how dare you do this? And here's our consequences, right? But instead, you know, take some breaths, remind them, hey, like this needs to be done. Assign a consequence if I need to. Remember, I'm okay. This is part of childhood, all that. So practicing it, right? You repeat it until you can't get it wrong. So this is what we do in Strong Men, Strong Marriage. We help you identify your particular negative patterns, okay, with your wife. Maybe that's being mosquito cycle. Maybe that's being um, angry. Maybe that's shutting down. Maybe that's, you know, uh, turning to pornography, whatever, right? So we identify our negative patterns. We help you replace those with positive, attractive ones. Then we hold you accountable to practice them. So it works, right? People are changing every day, creating great relationships and you can too. So come over to strongmenstrongmarriages.com, apply to join today, fill out an application, we'll review it, get back to you with the best next steps. What it's going to do, it's going to help you become that husband and father that you want to be and that God wants you to be by changing those patterns, practicing them, rewiring your brain to become the man that you want to be. Become the man you want to be, the man that God wants to be, and set the example for generations to follow. You can do it. You can stop repeating your parents' mistakes and you can start new. One of the big takeaways that I liked from this book was that it's never too late. Like some of my kids are older and it was good news that it's never too late, right? You can still change and create good connections and help them become securely attached and have a great life. So visit strongmenstrongmarriages.com, apply to join today, and we will see you there. Stay strong, men. See you next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave a review on iTunes and share the episode with a friend so we can help create stronger men and stronger marriages across the world. And if you're ready to take your strength training and your marriage to the next level, visit strongmenstrongmarriages.com to learn how. I'll see you there.